if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, it is indeed, and it is eight minutes to the hour, ten o'clock, as we begin hour number two. It's a Monday, the 20th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan, who joined us last hour on a host of issues, and I want to hear from you on a host of issues this hour, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. But before I go to phones, I want to, I want to finish what we began before uh, Congressman Jordan came on the line. And that would be talking about the protests, protests that are happening in uh, uh, in uh, cities in, in multiple states. They did it in San Diego. They did it in Phoenix. They did it in Washington State. They did it in Michigan. And, yes, they did it in Columbus. They did it in Colorado. Uh, residents are saying enough is enough. Stop denying us the right to live. Stop denying us the right to earn a living by making us live in fear, trapped in our homes, trapped in poverty, trapped perhaps with people who don't have access to the things that they need to keep their own cells under control. I'll explain that in a second. Uh, Trapped in a place where uh, domestic violence is on the rise. Trapped in a place where uh, our health insurance has lapsed now because we are uh, we lost our jobs because of the employers being forced to lay us off by the uh, lockdown policies, and on and on and on it goes. People are protesting and saying we need to be able to live. We need to be able to work. We need to be able to pay our bills. Let us out of this cage. That's what the protests are all about. Let us get back on the job so that we can take care of our families, so that we can see the people we need to see to keep ourselves healthy, to keep ourselves sane in some cases. Matter of fact, <clears throat> let me share a story with you. Um, I became aware, a gentleman I've never met before, but I was through an acquaintance who actually is somebody affiliated with the show. I'll just leave it at that because this is anonymity is required here, but... Um, through somebody affiliated with the show, I was introduced to a gentleman who is in AA. No big deal. This is obviously uh, 12-step programs are prevalent around this country. There should not be a massive stigma with those. Sometimes there is. And again, anonymity is required here because uh, it's been requested. And they were trying to have an AA meeting about a week and a half ago. Outdoors. 
in a public park pavilion, socially distanced from one another. And they announced their meeting because they were telling everybody we're going to meet. Everybody who wants to come and be a part and continue you know, your process, continue your steps, etc., uh, this is where it's going to be. That was their big mistake. Fatal mistake was putting it on Facebook. Because some idiot who decided that COVID-19 and the coronavirus, the Wuhan flu, rules all. You people and your 12-step programs get back in your cages. No way you're getting together in a public park outdoors, six feet away from one another or not, to talk about your problems, to talk about your process, to talk about your progress. No way. You get back in that cage. They called the cops on the AA meeting. This is in Berea. I can give you that. They called the cops on the AA meeting, and one by one, three cruisers showed up. The officers could not have been more hospitable and could not have been more regretful of what their job was to do. The, they told the individual who led the meeting who went and talked to them, they don't want to have to break them up. They get it. But it wasn't their call. They called back to a supervisor and explained the situation, and the city supervisor said they've got to go. So they broke up this AA meeting. Now, you may say, well, that's one anecdote. And it is. You're right. It's one, one small story. How many times in how many places do you think that story was repeated across 50 states of this country, across millions and millions of people in 12-step programs who aren't allowed to have gatherings of more than 10 in their homes, aren't allowed to even visit other people's homes in some states. So they try to do it outside where the virus is much less likely to be transmitted, by the way, according to experts, particularly if you're doing it outside and you're keeping six feet apart as you sit there and talk about your situations. How many times do you think that's been repeated? Then ask yourself this. How many of those individuals who couldn't have their meetings fell off as a result? How many of them are hanging on by a thread? They're precarious. They go to these meetings not out of you know social um, enjoyment. They go because it's imp- incredibly important to their recovery, to their progress, to keeping them in the right frame of mind so that they don't relapse. How many of those AA meetings or other 12-step meetings for various addictions and problems, how many of them led to relapse? And how many of those led to uh, dangerous episodes, either violent or dangerous to themselves or others? Just another example of how forcing people to stay caged in their homes can harm people. But those people don't matter. Going back to the arguments that I've been having on Facebook and social media with some people who say it's irresponsible for me as a public figure with a platform and a microphone and a transmitter to be saying that we need to open up the the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, economy again. Profits before people. Don't you realize people are dying? They have absolutely zero interest in the people who are going to be affected by this quote-unquote cure like the ones I just mentioned at the AA meeting that wasn't allowed to happen. They don't care about the suicide rate which jumps exponentially during depressions and recessions. They don't care about drug overdoses. They don't care about drug relapses, alcohol-induced violence, 
because these people aren't don't have access to the things that they need. They don't care about the people who lose their homes. They don't care about the people who lose their health care because their jobs, not only did their jobs go under, they were laid off, but then the business closed permanently and they're never going to get it back. They don't care about all of the people who are going to be harmed. The only people that matter are the people in the hospital because of the Chinese virus. The only people that matter are the ones, the only deaths that matter are the ones who die from the Chinese virus. Not all deaths are created equal. Some are worse than others, according to the way they are managing this. And that's why we're getting out there and protesting. That's why people are protesting, which brings me back to, again, what I was talking about before Jim Jordan came on. On MSNBC... A panel of six of the dimmest wits that you can even imagine got together to proclaim that the protests are almost all white people demanding their constitutional rights be restored. And it's only white people protesting and demanding that governments reopen their their respective state and local economies. One halfwit the one I played for you before, said that these white people don't care about brown and black people who are disproportionately being affected by the coronavirus. The next guy, which I guess is a quarter wit, doesn't even have a half a wit, the quarter wit, Michael Harriet, says, no, 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 no. It's not just that they don't don't care about brown and black people dying. They want more brown and black people to die. Yeah, Michael, I I feel like this is in your lane, so I'm going to let you respond to that. Yeah, see, again, I disagree with the notion that we shouldn't be covering this because I think it is more than just I don't care about these black and brown people who are dying. I think that what they're saying quite clearly when you see the numbers, when you see the statistics, when you see the CDC data is I want more black and brown people to die. Right. That, that can't if you want the government to open up, then you want more black and brown people to die. We see it happening in real time. We see it in Donald Trump's tweets. We see it in the data. There can be no other outcome if you open up what they call their society or the, the business or the country. If unless you see more but, but black I mean, and brown people. The fact that MSNBC's host did not immediately cut him off and apologize on behalf of the network, and demand a personal apology from him for the most outlandish thing in the freaking history of television, and that's saying something, is is evidence, all the evidence you need, of Donald Trump's claim that the mainstream media is the enemy of the people. This is NBC News. This is NBC. Yes, I know the MS is in front of it. This is the NBC cable uh, version. MSNBC is NBC News. And when he calls them the enemy of the people, that's exactly what we mean. Michael Harriet, this columnist for The Root, a flat-out reprehensible racist who hates white people and Donald Trump, literally proclaimed that these white protesters don't just not care if COVID kills black and brown people. Specifically, they want black and brown people to die. That's why they want to reopen society. Not to get their jobs back. Not to pay their rent and their mortgage. But to kill minorities. They actually allowed them to say this. Him to say this. And the other one as well. And then they want to call Donald Trump 
a divider. That Donald Trump is the divider-in-chief. That Donald Trump is responsible for all of this chaos. You can't write this stuff. If I tried to paint a, 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 not paint, but to paint a picture, if you will, you know, in a movie, write a screenplay with a villain saying something as outlandish as that, the, the, the producers would say, no, edit that, no, fix that, no, correct that, no, don't put that line in. We've got to make it believable. He said that white people want brown and black people to die, and that's why they want to reopen governments or reopen uh, economies. It's impossible, impossible to reason with people like this. People who are just so quantitatively stupid. I don't know if they're dumber. I don't know if Michael Harriet is dumber or just more hateful. I don't know which it is. Does he just hate white people and Donald Trump more than he is dumb? Or is he just so dumb that he doesn't know how to check his own hatred? It's a, Really, I mean, seriously, it's, it's chicken and egg here. But this is what we're supposed to deal with. There's no reasoning with people like this. There's no coming together. There's no national unity. There's no, when we are faced with a challenge, we rise up together. Bull crap. Not when the American left wants to, wants to impeach Donald Trump again over the coronavirus response that he was out in front of more than any one of them were. There is no coming together when people on the left want to accuse people who want to go back to work of not trying to get their paychecks back, but trying to kill the black guy down the block. There is no reasoning with these people. And I think we should stop trying back after this. Here, and they don't have any air conditioning. How many people are going to suffer as a result of heat exhaustion and heat stroke? So Those don't count. Those don't count. First of all, if anybody dies of heat stroke, they will look at their family and friend connections to see if anybody had any fevers or respiratory problems in the last month, and then they will say they died of coronavirus. All right. That, then that's, they'll, link it, they'll link it to COVID, yep. Exactly. Yep. They'll, they'll link them to a family member because they're already doing that. And thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Great stuff, Steve. Great scientific knowledge. Great point about the uh, testing to get a true mortality rate. Um, but to, to the point, they were already taking people who were in hospice care. Now, we know what hospice means, right? Hospice care is provided for people who are, who are going to die. I mean, it's that simple. It is a matter of time. And hospice workers do everything they can to make the people who are about to die comfortable in their last days or weeks. To make them comfortable, as comfortable as they can be. There is no cure for what they have, or there is no procedure, no surgery, or anything else that can be done. It is accepted that they are on a, on a, on a uh, timeline here that they are going to pass on. And hospice care is just to provide them. There are people in hospice care. People who are in hospice care, that means under the care of the hospice workers, who are going to die, who have, it has been found out, had contact in the last month with a family member who who tested positive or showed symptoms of the coronavirus. And the state is ordering the cause of death on the hospice patient to be COVID-19 because they came in contact with somebody who had it and then they're about to die. They were already going to die. 
They're in hospice care. And they're changing the, changing the cause of death from whatever it was that had them in hospice care to COVID-19. It is, it is completely 100% irrational. And it's something, honestly, that I think he's right. True doctors and scientists are probably looking at Dr. at Labcoat every day and just jumping out of their seats wanting to correct her and, and, and fix uh, the broken science that they are using. It's an absolute joke. 1031, back after this. Ten thirty six. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Trying to make some sense of what's going on. We got good news. We got bad news. We got some news that's just not quite good enough. Uh, but it's all out there, and we're covering it as much as we can. The uh, Democrats continue to resist the reopening of the American economy. For what possible purpose would they do that? What possible reason would they have? to oppose the reopening of the economy, to get people back to work again, to get their businesses on a paying and, a, and a, excuse me, paying basis again, a revenue-driving basis, getting people back to paying their mortgages and their rents, et cetera, to getting some of those 900,000 new Ohioans, for example, in the last few weeks who have had to file for unemployment, getting that number down. Why would they? You want to know the answer? <clears throat> the answer is Trump. It is literally the beginning and the ending, the alpha and the omega. Trump derangement syndrome drives all of their decisions. You think they care about unknown people that are dying from the uh, uh, Chinese virus? They don't care about them any more than they care about the unknown named people who are losing their businesses and losing their jobs. But they do know that all of that added up together leads to Trump taking massive hits in May and in June and in July. And when you collectively pile up all of the crap and leave it at Donald Trump's doorstep right before the election, the belief is that it will swing enough people, enough independents or enough fringe Trump supporters into going away from him and saying we need to uh, try something else. Liz Peek wrote this op-ed over the weekend. Nancy Pelosi does not want Americans to go back to work. She and other Democrats will be will loft every possible excuse to prevent the nation from reopening. Claim, excuse me. Claiming that, excuse me again. No, I don't have the vid. Um, claiming that Trump's intention of doing so is deeply frivolous and wrong. She mocks the president's supposedly cavalier attitude that people will die, so be it, instead of a science and testing-based path to reopening the, the, the economy. The left downplays the effectiveness of therapies like hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir and derides doctors like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil who don't share the punditry's alarmism. They're especially scornful of any hint of optimism. They'll insist that every single human being must be tested before a bricklayer, a piano tuner, or a professional golfer can safely earn a living, knowing that we are far from achieving that goal. Who would have thought that rescuing the country from massive unemployment and collapsing incomes would become a a political hot potato? Who would have thought that Democrats would be so willing to sacrifice the well-being of the nation in order to win an election? Only someone who has watched Democrats try to topple President Trump for three years already 
with no success, but ever-increasing desperation, having failed to oust him by alleging conspiracy with Russia, and then through a partisan and unfair impeachment, they now pray that the economy will continue to be devastated in order to demolish his best argument for re-election. And that could actually happen, especially if blue and purple state governors around the country keep the lid on activity, economic activity, demanding that small businesses remain shuttered and enforce the general misery, all in the name of keeping us safe. Trump's critics have swarmed him for the lack of available testing. The president was not directly responsible for the chaotic approach to make these test kits available. The failures of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Food and Drug Administration can be laid at the president's door, and Democrats are eager to do that, all while upping the supposed cost of the shortfall. But rather than working toward improving, they want it to remain miserable so that they can use it against Donald Trump. While most other initial snafus were resolved, insufficient testing is the main complaint. That's why Adam Schiff tweeted recently, there's no, excuse me again, there is no way to safely reopen without massive testing, he said. Yet we're barely testing more people this week than last. If Trump ignores the experts and forces a premature reopening, even more Americans will die. See, here's the conundrum for them. See, the problem is, They hate Donald Trump telling the the governors what to do. They jumped on him with both feet when he said, the authority lies with me. Incorrectly, by the way. That he would tell them what to do, right? Then, when he says, okay, the governors, it's all up to you. Make up your own minds. Here's our guidance, but do what you want to do. And then they jump on him with both feet there saying, how come you're not leading? How come you're not making the decision? How come you're not telling everybody to stay closed? They don't want him to make the call until he says, okay, I won't make the call, I'll let the governors make the call. Then they gripe at him for not making the call. It makes absolutely no sense, unless you are a radical Democrat. And that's kind of redundant, because there's no other kind of Democrat. There's no reasonable Democrat. There's no rational Democrat. There's just radical Democrats. People who support Nancy Pelosi when she says, or when she says, excuse me, things like this. It has to be testing. It has to be tracing, contact tracing. It has to be treatment. And it has to be quarantine. It's part of something bigger as well to be done properly. But we're way late on it. And that is the failure. The president gets an F, a failure uh, on the testing. But Nancy Pelosi says that Donald Trump gets a failure. We should be, it's got to be faster. It's got to be. Sorry. Uh, either get some polygrip for crying out loud or seek treatment for the stroke you suffered. But whatever it is, stop flaring through your statements when you go on television. Go back and eat some more $14 a pint ice cream, all packed into your $25,000 refrigerator and then t- or freezer, and tell us again how in touch you are with the American people. She got caught by uh, Chris Wallace yesterday. Chris Wallace is not my favorite uh, anchor slash interviewer. I don't think he's fair all the time, but sometimes he gets it right. And this was one of those. You, as you are right now, have been very critical of President Trump, especially for what you say is the time that he lost initially in January and February in responding to the virus. But I, I want to point out that on February 24th, you went on a walking tour of Chinatown to try to promote tourism there. And here's some of what you had to say. 
That's what we're trying to do today is to say everything is fine here. Come because precautions have been taken. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. If the president underplayed the threat in the early days, Speaker Pelosi, didn't you as well? No, what we're trying to do is to end the discrimination, the stigma that was going out against the Asian uh, American community. And in fact, if you... If you believe that's her, that's her answer. Donald Trump should have done more back in January. Donald Trump should have recognized all of this before anybody else did, including us. And on February 24th, when I was declaring it's safe to come to Chinatown, it wasn't because I didn't think the virus was dangerous. I just said it was risk getting the virus to come and support the Asian community. I was just trying to end the discrimination against the Asian American community. So I was just trying to bring people down there in order to help them buy food and stuff from the Asian merchants. And I knew they were going to get corona. I knew, but, but we had to stop the discrimination. I knew. Donald Trump didn't know. The revisionist history of this woman and her party and her press, and it is her media carrying her water, is beyond the pale. And if you're looking for another example of this, I point you to this New York Times article about a man in Brooklyn, a tavern owner, a bar owner in Brooklyn who died of the Chinese coronavirus. The headline was, a beloved bar owner was skeptical about the virus. Then he took a cruise. And the article proceeds to take great pain to establish what a wonderful man was, and I have no doubt of that. Takes great pains to discuss how he really wasn't concerned about the virus when he took his cruise because of what Sean Hannity said. Literally, in the article, they blame Sean Hannity. They blame Sean Hannity for this man taking his cruise and getting the coronavirus and dying. This is from the New York Times, and I quote, On March 1st, Joe Joyce and his wife Jane set sail for Spain on a cruise, flying first to Florida. His adult children, Kevin, Eddie, and Kristen, suggested that the impending doom of the coronavirus made this a bad idea. Joe Joyce was 74, a non-smoker, healthy. Four years after he opened his bar, he stopped drinking completely. So he didn't see the problem. He watched Fox and believed it was under control, Kristen told me. Early in March, Sean Hannity went on the air proclaiming that he didn't like the way the American people were getting scared unnecessarily. He saw it all, he said, as like, let's bludgeon Trump with this new hoax. Eventually, Fox News changed course and took the virus more seriously, but the Joyce's were longer, long gone by then. A spokeswoman for Fox News said that Mr. Hannity made the statements taking the spread of the coronavirus seriously early on and that his comment about the public being scared by the coverage happened after the Joyce's had left their crews. Did you, did you catch that last line? Sean Hannity made his comments about uh, the American people being unnecess- unnecessarily scared to, uh, to live and to travel on March 
ninth. Joe Joyce and his and his wife took that cruise, starting on March first. Let me say that again. They're blaming Sean Hannity for give, putting this man's uh, uh, mind at ease about traveling on this cruise when Sean Hannity didn't say it until March 9th, the direct quote from the daughter, and he took his cruise on March 1st. This is the revisionist history I'm talking about. It's what Nancy Pelosi relies upon. It's what the left in general relies upon. But it gets better. The reporter who wrote this story about the death of Joe Joyce, beloved bar owner, who took a cruise, her name is Jania Belafonte. Jania Belafonte wrote this story about a man who took a cruise on March 1st, then whose family blamed Sean Hannity for making him take the cruise when Hannity said something on March 9th. This reporter tweeted... Back on February 27th, four days before he left for his cruise, she tweeted, quote, I fundamentally don't understand the panic. Incidence of the disease is declining in China. Virus is not deadly in vast majority of cases. Production and so on will slow down and obviously rebound. Jania Belafonte, the New York Times reporter, said this on February 27th. I would submit to you, she got that man killed. How about if Joe read Jania's tweet on February 27th and said, she says there's no reason to panic, the disease is declining, it's not even deadly in the vast majority of cases, let's go on the cruise, hon. Now, It would be absurd of me to truly believe that Jania Belafonte caused his death. That would be absurd, and I don't believe that. However, it is one billion times more absurd for her to write in the New York Times that Sean Hannity caused his death for something he said nine days afterwards. Eight days after. And oh, by the way, the capper to the story is this. And the story here, of course, is the leftist's revisionist history. The capper of the story is this. Mr. Joyce was a bar owner. He returned from his cruise on March 14th. And Mr. Joyce worked his bar for weeks after he returned from his cruise. There is absolutely zero evidence he even got the coronavirus on his cruise. Zero evidence. It is just as likely, but also not proven, that he may have gotten it in the hot spot in March for the coronavirus, which is New York City. His bar's in Brooklyn. He could have gotten that any number of ways. So to recap, they don't know that he got it on the cruise, but they're saying he did. They're also saying that Sean Hannity encouraged him to take the cruise, which, of course, he didn't. And the writer who's making the allegation for the New York Times, actually on Twitter, did encourage people to take cruises and live their lives normally because she doesn't understand what all the panic is about. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the American left. Final segment after this.
Last segment of the broadcast, Joe in Maple Heights wants to get on the air right now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Joe, go ahead. Morning, Bob. How are you doing? <clears throat> Good, sir. What's on your mind? Okay, uh, first I was watching the protesters on TV on the news shows, and they barely show enough clip of their even read as fine, and they make it like it's no big deal. Like, oh, there's only a few hundred people down there in Columbus protesting, which I know is a lack of I have friends that went down there. They said you couldn't even get to the... Uh, State Capitol because all the exits were backed up with cars. And so they're, they're lying. Like President Trump said, there's fake news everywhere. There is. There's no doubt about it, my friend, and I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the phone call. Look, the protests are going to continue and they're going to grow. I just saw a story, uh, and I was tweeting about it, <clears throat> uh, Governor Mike DeWine, that um, more, Amer- more Ohioans rather approve of and support his handling of the COVID-19 than disapprove. My response to that is wait a week. Wait two. Wait three. Two or three more weeks of 200,000 more more Ohioans losing their jobs, putting us to around 1.2, 1.3 million. Two Two or three more weeks of Ohioans being locked up. Tell me how that poll's going to turn out then. The people who approve of the job he is doing and that they are doing are people who are scared out of their minds, like little children, who have been told to be afraid, who have been told to panic, who have been told to be hysterical, and they are following their orders. Thank you for keeping us safe, Mr. Governor, from a disease that has barely mild effects on 99% of the population. Thank you. Protesters are going out there and saying, Guess what has a much more deleterious effect on the population than this Chinese virus? Homelessness, unemployment, poverty, alcoholism, drug use, all of which are on the rise because of the cure being prescribed by the governor and the federal government as well. The protests are going to continue. The protests are going to ramp up, if anything. Navy man Norman Strongsville. Go ahead, Navy man. You're on the air. One of the wonderful quotes I love by Sam Adams is, crouch down... Norm, we got a bad connection. Can't hear a word you're saying. Try that again. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. Put him on hold. Put him on hold. See if we can come back to him before the top of the hour. We can't hear his, his uh, through the broken up phone call. TJ in Cleveland. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, what you said about Nancy Pelosi and her slurring the words, she reminds me of Daffy Duck when she talks. And, you know, and... The famous words of Daffy Duck, it solves, uh, uh, sums up what the left is about when he said, you're despicable. And, you know, I wonder with uh, Obama during the SARS epidemic, pandemic, he basically did nothing. And I don't recall anybody on the left calling for total lockdowns of the economy, quarantines. They never said anything. I mean, Obama. It's very, it's, you're right. It's very hypocritical. Right, yeah, it's very hypocritical. And the same people that supported his holy barakness, thank you for the call, TJ, the same people who supported him are the ones coming down on Trump for not doing enough. When Donald Trump was out in front of any of them, when he ordered the Chinese travel ban uh, from China to the United States and was called racist and xenophobic as a result of it by all of those who now say he didn't do enough in time. Uh, Ken and Parma next. Hi, Ken, you're on the air. Go ahead. <clears throat> Ken is not there. How about Navy Man Norm again? You want to try this again, Norm? Chuck in Cleveland. Norm's phone still isn't working either. Chuck, are you there? Yeah, Bob. Um, listen, I'd like to say that I'm one of these essential workers, and I've been out here. It's sort of disappointing that we're going out killing ourselves, taking a chance that we might get this stuff. 
working our butt off, and then we're the people out here, and these people, some of them, aren't going to want to go back to work. You keep paying these people's pockets with all this money. The more they sit home, the more they're not going to want to work. And I want to tell you something about that guy, these family who's saying that uh, Sean Hannity did this. This man came back from that cruise and then supposedly knew he caught the virus from the cruise, went to work and polluted all the people in his bar. Think of that. He had it and went to work and poured drinks and worked at that tavern for how many days did you say? That's another great point. Yeah, I, well, we don't we don't know for a fact that he got it on the cruise or if he got it later, uh, no, but, but that's what, what the story they're he, trying to tell is. <clears throat> if they say he knew he got it from there, because they're saying he knew he got the thing on the cruise. Well, okay, and, and then, then, then well, if that is that. the case, if if that, thank you for the call, my friend. I got to go. If that is the case, Chuck, then you're right. <clears throat> then this man uh, obviously was as irresponsible as anybody could have been in spreading it around his bar patrons uh, by going back to work for weeks. So that's a very good point, my friend. That's all the time that we've got. Thanks so much for being a part of the Bob France Authority. Appreciate it. Tomorrow is Cursing Out Day. We'll talk to you then. Have a great one.